1992, I received the call to Green Run Baptist Church in Virginia Beach to become their pastor. We were a young family at the time, and we walked into that church and met another young family named the Flannery family. And uh, Mary is here uh, this morning. She's babysitting right now. Many of you will remember her because she's a co-coordinator of the Southampton Roads Mission Project, uh, which we shared last summer and are looking forward to sharing it again. Very early in that pastorate, I did the same thing I do here. I had a children's sermon. And I noticed very quickly that I had a young man who was coming forward to sit with those kids every week at his early elementary school. His name was David. And he loved to stump me with theological questions in front of the congregation. And I can remember Sunday after Sunday dreading when his little hand would go up in the air and he would throw a question. And we were in a small sanctuary and the whole church could hear it and everything went dead silent while they watched me wiggle and squirm to try to figure out how to answer the question that he had for me. And I remember there were Sundays that I wanted to choke him uh, because he would put me on the spot like that. But I also looked at him and I thought, God has got his hand on that young man with the questions that he's asking, and I believe the Lord is going to use him in ministry someday. Years later, after he graduated from Liberty University, he served on our staff when I was the pastor of Red Lane Baptist. I uh, gave him the responsibility of doing the children's sermon in that church, and I told the kids in that church to stump him with their questions on Sunday morning, that it would be sweet revenge for me to sit back and watch that happen. Uh, David continued to serve uh, the Lord, uh, continued at Liberty, and then went on to Southeastern Seminary, where he is currently working on a Ph.D. program there. But he met Danielle. I believe you all met in a missions project, if I'm correct. And they came together sharing a heart for serving the Lord and a heart for missions and began to pray about where God was going to take them and use them. They have sensed that God has been calling them uh, to Europe, and they have been assigned by the International Mission Board this coming September to move to Milan, Italy, where they will become new missionaries there. They're going to come today, and he's going to share with you about the work that they're going to be doing in Italy, about the sense of call that they have, and the, how you all are helping to support and make this possible, and how we're going to explore a prayer partnership uh, with them. And uh, then we'll have a luncheon afterwards today where you can ask them more questions and interface with them. David, if you will come, you all will come and share with us. Oh, he loves to tell those stories. And so I've got my stories to share now. <laughs> no, I, I was thinking last night, actually, and um, coming today is, uh, you know, I hope and pray one day to have the legacy that Pastor Slayton has. Um, he has already built, built such a tremendous legacy um, with so many people, myself very much included. Um, and though he might not be proud of me, um, I think that uh, I, I'm just very blessed by um, what the Lord has done in my life through him. And so um, y'all have a very special pastor, and uh, I thank God for the work here at Rocky Mount and what he's going to do and um, what he has been doing. And so, um, but if we could, I'd love to just begin with a word of prayer and then I'll go on and share a little bit about um, my, my life, my wife, our children, um, and what kind of work he's got called for us. And, um, but if we could, I'd just love us to pause and just pray and just continue to worship the Lord. Uh, Jesus, we love you. 
We thank you so much for your abundant grace that sustains us every moment of every day, Lord God. We thank you that right now that we are here by your grace, Lord. We pray today, Lord, that as we um, explore, um, Father, missions and, and more importantly, Lord God, what your word has to say, Lord, that we would just, um, we would fall more in love with you. That Jesus, that the um, today would not have anything to do with the flanneries or um, in any way distract from you, but Lord, that everything would be do um, would be done and said to the glory of Jesus Christ, and that people would come out falling more in love with Jesus as King of the Universe than anything else in this world. Jesus, we love you. In your name, we pray. Amen. Well, um, I'll ask my wife is here, and uh, this is my wife Daniela. If you'd stand, um, that's my boo boo. Um, <laughs> And then uh, my mom has our little tot. This is Jackson right here. She's going to pull a Simba. Um, and then our other uh, son, being that he would very much be used by Satan, um, is not in here right now. Um, he has inherited his father's genes, as Pastor Slayton, I'm sure, would recognize. <laughs> but um, no, our other son is Caleb. He's two and a half years old, and um, he's wide open. And... Um, there's no telling what he'd be doing right now if he was in here. Uh, be, he'd, he'd be trying to get to the drum set, 100% guaranteed. Um, but a, a little bit about us is that we are, um, we've been called um, to the mission field in Italy, in, in Milan specifically. And, um, and that's, that's a picture of uh, Italy right there. Um, if you want to go uh, two slides in advance, um, we, yeah, right here. This is, uh, these are going to be our partners in Italy. They are already on the field. Um, the team on the left, or uh, my left anyways, the Greenwich family, um, they've been on the field now for over 13 years, um, working specifically in Milan this whole time. And God has done some amazing things with them. They have also had their fair share of different types of um, trials and situations, um, one of which is particularly uh, Allison, the wife, her health has, um, has just struggled for, for various reasons. She had to have a full hip replacement at the age of, I think, 40 or 39 last year. Um, and, and if you know anything about Europe, you walk everywhere. Um, you take metros, you take uh, the bus everywhere, um, but you have to walk wherever you're going. And so that's obviously been very tough on them. Um, but God has used them in a very powerful way to the point that they planted a church about a decade ago, and that church is averaging somewhere around 150 to 200 um, weekly, and Jesus is doing some great things there. He also started a soccer ministry um, that uh, works with professional athletes as well as um, uh, any real uh, soccer athletes, and um, they have been, they've seen many, many come to Christ through that ministry. Um, the Barths on the right, my right, um, uh, that is Paul and Tracy and their three children. Um, they are actually going to be our team leaders. They're the ones that oversee us. They have been on the field for, they're going on their fourth year now. Um, they were actually in Torino, um, which is about two hours away from Milan. Um, but they were recently reassigned to the work in Milan. And they will be overseeing us. Um, as Pastor Slayton mentioned, we are going with the International Mission Board. Um, and, and so all these missionaries that you see here, they are IMB personnel. Um, it, I was stunned last night in talking with Pastor Slayton to hear of the type of giving your church has given to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering this past year. I think he said knocking on the door or, or maybe exceeding $25,000, um, which 
I can just tell you, I, I, for before um, last September, I resigned from my post at, um, as a youth pastor in North Carolina. But um, there, we, we, um, our church um, gave pretty close to, to pretty similar numbers um, to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And actually, they, they rivaled within the top 50 of the um, state of North Carolina of Lottie Moon Christmas, um, of Christmas gifts. And so I don't know where y'all's church lines up in the state of Virginia. I, I don't know that. But what I do know is to give, especially of your congregation, um, $25,000 is more than a blessing um, to the IMB. Um, also, your weekly offerings, as I understand it, go in part, you designate a percentage to the cooperative program, which um, there is, I, I know for myself, before I went to Southeastern Seminary, where, where um, I'm currently attending as well, um, I didn't really know too much about the cooperative program, but I can tell you that the cooperative program is one of these, um, if you will, it's, it's a, a financial program that goes and it helps fund several things of which the um, six Southern Baptist seminaries, which are all across the nation, as well as International Mission Board. If it wasn't for those funds, there would be no telling um, how many missionaries we'd have to pull off the field. Um, Jesus is using those in a, a, a powerful way, of which Danielle and I have already been the recipients of in, in a, a unique way. Just a little bit of a story for you. My wife and I, we were actually set, we were slated to go to our training in October. Um, and, and we had, like I said, I resigned from my church with the, um, in September. We were going to take about a month to go see family before we moved. Um, and we were going to go to the, to the Richmond headquarters for the IMB, do our, our five weeks of training there. And then we're going to fly out to Milan in early November. And Jesus is in control of everything. And he decided to put a little hold on that. Um, his timing is unique and, and takes us all by surprise. But what it was is about a week and a half before we were going to go to our training, I, um, Danielle woke up to me having a seizure one night. And, um, and so the IMB, being what it is, it, it takes very good care of their personnel. And they want to try and do everything they can to help their personnel out. And so they said, we want you to hold off before going on the field. We want to make sure that we understand what's going on here medically so that we don't send you into a situation where you wouldn't be able to receive treatment that you might need to receive or, or something to that effect. And so in so doing, um, they have, the, the IMB has um, looked after us, looked after us in a, a, a just a remarkable manner, um, helping take care of us um, with the insurance that they provide and um, all of which is by your assistance, um, whether you realize it or not, through the um, cooperative program and through um, uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But enough about some of that. I'll tell you a little bit more about Milan. Um, and uh, so if you go here, you see this is the city we're going to go to. That, that picture you see of the Duomo, um, probably a very famous picture. It is a massive um, cathedral that is in the heart of Milan. Some things about Milan that are, are, are pretty interesting. First off, Milan is in the northern part of Italy. It is located only about 30 kilometers away from Switzerland. We're pretty close to some bordering some other countries. But in Milan in 313 AD, it was there that um, Constantine, the emperor, the Roman emperor, actually um, offered the Edict of Milan, which made Christianity legal in all parts of the Roman Empire. So it is there. 
we were going to the place where Christianity, if you will, sort of started to sprout its wings in a, um, in a much more public manner. And yet, today, although it is 7 million people strong, by far the majority don't know or love Jesus in any capacity. In fact, as I mentioned, uh, though it's 7 million strong, the, the statistics about Italy are staggering. As I said, as you think about Italy, you probably think of Roman Catholicism, as you should, because in Rome that is where the Vatican is. But the reality is less than 5% of Italy would consider themselves devoted Catholics. That is, that they attend Mass somewhere over once a month. So if you, if you fit the line of going only once a month, you could even consider yourself a devoted Catholic. And less than 5% of the population fits that bill. The reality is, less than one half of 1% of Italy is evangelical. That is, it claims to have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ in a personal manner. That means for every 200 people, only one of them loves Jesus. Less than one half of 1%. See, Italy is actually a very lost um, people group. And that's why we believe God has called us there. In fact, this is not so much just um, uh, centralized to Italy, but rather most of Europe fits the statistics that I'm referencing now. That in general, all over Europe, less than 1% actually falls in love with Jesus. When you talk to our brothers and sisters who serve on the mission field in other areas, um, you will hear of things of the, the 1040 window, which is a, an, an area um, the, that speaks to um, the, the most lost areas in the world. But the reality actually is that they are seeing a whole lot more fruit than we do in Europe. And the reason for it is this. Having seen Christianity in some form or fashion, they say, we've been there, done that, and we don't want to go back. Because, regrettably, the church has hurt the name of Jesus rather than esteem the name of Jesus. And we will talk about that momentarily. Uh, if you go to the Vatican, if you go to the next um, slide, I'll, this, is just some, uh, this is a slide referencing some of the things um, about Europe. You see, it's a little bit hard to see, um, but 11% of the world's population lives in Europe. More than that, it is the European people, that is the, those indigenous to it, the Italians, they are a decreasing population. What is increasing, however, is the, the amount of, um, of uh, immigrants coming, particularly from the Middle East. And so with that, there has been a huge rise in, um, in Islam. Uh, Italy is some of that. We see it more in places like Germany. Um, in fact, this is hard to believe, but did you know that Germany, to put it in perspective, Germany right now, the German population is decreasing. They populate at about a 1.3 ratio. In order for you to have an increasing population, you have to, incre you have, to have a 2.1 um, population growth. Does that make sense? You have to populate more than your, your own individual self, right? So the, the German people are decreasing at, because they are only populating about a 1.3 ratio. The, the, um, the Muslim population, which is moving into these areas, are populating at about an 8.1 ratio. 
it is projected that in the year 2050, so only a little over 30 years from now, that in fact, Germany will be a majority that is over 50% Muslim. And you know that. So there are needs for missionaries all over Europe, some of which we have going to specialize actually with Middle Eastern people groups. We actually have in Milan, we have brothers uh, from the IMB who represent, they're not trying to reach so much the Italians as they are trying to reach the immigrants that are there, and they are trying to reach particularly the Islamic population there because it is an increasing population. Well, um, why is the church in the, 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 the state that it is? I would suggest several things, but one of which is this. When you go, has anyone here by any chance been to the Vatican? Anyone been to the Vatican? Vatican is a beautiful, ornate building. It is the, um, it is the, the, the locale of the, the Pope. Um, it is said to be the heart of Catholicism. But as you first go into the um, Vatican, there is a statue of Peter. And Peter is made out of stone there. Okay? And what the belief is, is that as you go in, you rub the statue's foot and you will receive some sort of blessing from God. Very mystical, very superstitious in all the sorts. Do you know that in the past about 50 years, they've had to replace that foot made of stone three times? Because the imprints, the engravings of the toes has worn away to nothing. All because people are just doing this. Think about how many hands it would have to take to make a, to, to rub off that piece of, um, to, to rub that foot to make it look like nothing more than a nub. And to do it three times. See, regrettably, in some very real ways, the Catholic Church has actually hurt the name of Christ more than help the name of Christ. And it is our prayer, Danielle's and I's prayer, to go and try and help brothers, and uh, to help our um, Italians uh, understand how much Jesus loves them and how he is the one worthy of our worship, not uh, statues or whatever it may be. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to Revelation chapter 3. I just want to briefly look at a text that sort of puts into perspective, I think, as to what has happened here, um, what has happened in Italy, as is happening um, that we see in, paralleled in Scripture. In Revelation chapter 3, it's a very familiar passage. The author is John. He's writing, and he's writing to these seven different churches as instructed to by Jesus himself. And in Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, he starts to write to the church of Laodicea. And as we start to read, I'm sure it will stand very, um, it, it will become very familiar. And it goes like this To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation, says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Now this is a passage that many have um, taken to believe that in reference to the terms of cold water here, that must be a reference to those who are not saved. That, that what it has been said is that Jesus is saying, I wish that you were either saved or you were unsaved, but because you are somewhere in this middle line, 
then I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. The reality, however, is likely that is not what is happening here. See, the church of Laodicea actually sat in between two um, famous cities. One is Colossae, where we have the book of Colossians written from. The other one is Hierapolis. Both of these areas were known for having two drastically different types of water, both of which were understood in very positive manners. One was known for having very cold water, which, as we know, cold water, when you are thirsty, that's what you want. You want cold water. You want something refreshing to drink. It was positive to, be, to have cold water. On the other end, the Hierapolis, where they had the hot water, it was known for having, um, it, they had these hot springs that were thought to have medicinal type of powers. Um, that when you would sit in there, it was something of a, um, it, it could help you in healing, those types of things. Both are considered to be very positively, but research, um, archaeologists have uh, recently unveiled that they noticed where the pipes that come into um, to Laodicea, that is the, the, the place where Jesus is writing right now, that here they would have been receiving the water from the, the hot water source. But when it got only to about, I think it was something of the 11 mile um, stint that it took from it to get from Hierapolis to Laodicea, by that time when you tasted the water, it was known for being very bitter as it was known for being very lukewarm and it was understood that people did not want to receive it in that type of fashion. So what he is saying here, what Jesus is saying here is that you do not emulate Christianity in any form or of the, uh, a fashion. And because you have dropped back into loving Jesus with all your heart, instead of being known for being a strong, powerful Christian um, who has medicinal type of, of powers or being a refreshing type of Christian known, uh, uh, symbolized by the cold water, but because you're somewhere in between, you have lost all effective witness to the people around you. And that is what has happened in Italy. The church that was set there by God himself became lukewarm in much the same fashion as the church of Laodicea did. See, how did the church of Laodicea at one point having been used by God for the glory of God, how did they drift into complacency? Simple. Satan gave them comfort and stability. And they relied on that as their source of life, much like the Catholic Church has done. Notice here in verse 17, he says this, Because you say I'm rich, I've become wealthy, and I need nothing. You don't know that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. He says, because you have become, or become, become rich, you have looked to your sources of riches as being a source of life, and in so doing, have lost any type of witness to the outside world. Regrettably, when I've been in Italy on several occasions, I've talked with students, um, having worked a lot with university students, and I've heard several different things said. But one of the most common things I've heard said is that the reason why they don't want to have anything to do with the Catholic Church is because they say that we are supposed to give our money to the poor, but they only keep their money for themselves. 
They keep their money in such a way as to make their, their chapels seem pristine, to make their outfits and their garbs look a certain manner, and yet they tell us to give money to the poor. My question is this. If the church had lived as it always had been called to live with the efforts of helping bless the others around them, to bless the poor, would that, um, what would be the spiritual state of Italy now? Would it be at the same place? And see, Romans 12, 2, you and I all know it. It's, it's, it's a, a verse that we memorize so often. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This was written to the church in Rome by Paul. If the church in Rome had lived in that manner of saying, I will not conform my ways to the patterns of this world, I think they would have not lost their witness. But instead, having emulated themselves in the patterns and the ways of this world, they have died out and their witness has become obsolete. And church, it raises a a very important question for you and I today. Do we emulate in regrettable manners what the church has done in Rome? Does the American church, do they, when people hear about Rocky Mount Baptist Church, do they hear about people that bless the world, or do they hear about people who are so inward focused, they have no clue about the hurting that is right across the street? Do people, when they know about your family and that you are supposed to represent Jesus, do they get a favorable impression of Jesus or do they get a, a, a disfavorable impression of Jesus? And if it's not favorable, is it possibly because we have started to look more like the world than we have the Son of God? These are powerful questions that we have to consider. And by God's grace, I, I also want to say that we think that God is doing some great things in Milan and has more things to do in Milan just as he is doing great things in Rocky Mount. Having talked with Pastor Slayton, it's so exciting to hear about what God is doing. But more than that, isn't it exciting to think about what God is going to do? See, God has tremendous vision over this congregation. Are we going to follow it? Easy to say yes, but what happens when we realize that the vision requires sacrifice? Do we still follow them? And the answer must always be a resounding yes, and this is why. Because you will never, in following Jesus, look back and say, I wish I hadn't done that. There will not be any sacrifice made for the glory of God that you will regret. Not a single one. If you follow after Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it will be tough, but it will always 100% be worth it. Can I give an example? If you go to the next slide, this is, um, this is the, the local church that's, um, by God's grace, they started, like I said, about a decade ago. It's a little bit hard to see, but um, that's uh, on their left, that's a picture of some of their congregation. But on the right, that's a picture of worship taking place in a local high school in Italy. And that is where they are meeting right now. And, people, and Satan has really tried to do some numbers and trying to get them out of that place. And God keeps winning. 
And do you know that last week they had a baptism of five people giving their lives to Jesus? Jesus has breathed hope into this people that has historically said no for generations now to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I still sit on my throne and I'm going to see new victories being given. And in the same way, he has so much victory to be given here in Rocky Mount. I know that there is a huge opioid um, issue here. But I know that the king of kings loves to liberate people from drug abuse. There may be someone in here right now who's struggling with that. And I'm just wanting you to know Jesus loves you. He died for you. And he will give you new life if you ask it. And you will find that satisfaction is not found through drugs. But satisfaction is only found at the feet of Jesus Christ. Another um, thing that's exciting um, is that if you go to the next slide, this is um, last year's spring retreat that they had taken. This is in the in mountains of uh, Italy. This is a place called Aosta, where um, actually my wife and I, uh, two years ago, we led a mission trip to Aosta. And it was there that we encountered, um, that we met um, the missionary Jason and Paul that we will be serving with. That was where those relationships started to build. God's way of weaving things is just so amazing. I didn't mention it, but when we went on this uh, mission trip, we're not in this picture, but when we went and led that team there, it was through an, internet, an IMB mission um, component called Access International. They particularly specialize in, um, in uh, youth mission trips and college mission trips, but they have all sorts that go over to Europe and all over the world. Um, I'd be happy if anyone has any questions about that um, to, to highly recommend and, and help you with that. Um, but uh, this is an AOSA, and this is their spring retreat, and this is, they said, only about 70% of their congregation, so still about 30% missing there, um, but the majority were able to go, and what they do in this retreat time is they pray for Jesus' revival over the Italian people. And they do other things, they study the word, because most of these people, you have to understand, just years ago, were probably almost biblically illiterate. To the point of, if you were to ask them um, anything about Abraham, Isaac, people that you and I, Paul even, they likely would not be able to tell you a whole lot, if anything at all. And so the, the um, part of the responsibility of the missionaries, uh, Jason and Paul and myself and Danielle, and when we go on the field, will be to help um, teach them the word of God. For the purpose that they will then go out and the Italians having taken it, they will be able to reach their people far better than I will, far better than Danielle will. And we will, Lord willing, be able to empower the locals to go out and to, um, to share the gospel to others around them. Next slide, if you will. Um, this is a little bit regarding the mission strategy of what we are called to, um, what we will be doing. If you notice up in the um, uh, western quadrant, it says San Siro. Um, for anyone who loves soccer, AC Milan, um, I'm in America, who loves soccer, right? Um, the San Siro happens to be a, a pretty famous soccer stadium. It's right there. Um, and, and that is actually where the church is. Um, part of the strategy is having established a church there, they are going to likely um, try and situate Danielle and I in an apartment in a different sector of the city with the, the attempt and hope that we will be able to start a local small group there. And in time, may that be blossomed into, um, a, uh, into a church itself. 
However, the first 18 months when Danielle and I land on the field will be um, dedicated to um, language learning. Uh, some of the students asked today if we spoke um, Italian, and I responded, see, and they thought they were so smart when they said, that's Spanish, and I said, it's also Italian. Um, um, but, but no, we do not actually at this point speak Italian uh, fluently by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I can ask to go to the bathroom, um, and I can ask about food. So very important, um, but probably not so gospel-oriented yet. Um, <laughs> Uh, so the first year and a half is actually that. It is language school, and they want us to hit a high level of fluency um, so that we can share the gospel without any issues. Um, they actually want us to be able to preach in the gospel. I say, uh, like, as in, um, there will be times they expect that, I'll, you know, I'll be able to preach in Italian there. Um, and so they, they expect a high level of fluency, but that obviously goes with some uh, much rigorous um, studying. And so that would be our first year and a half. But following that, um, the strategy will be for us to, Lord willing, in time, be able to start a church plant in a different part of the city. As I mentioned, when you add up um, the, the, the center of Milan as well as its surrounding um, suburbs, you are looking at 7 million plus people. It's actually one of the biggest cities in all of Europe. And it is so lost and so in need of the gospel but nevertheless, God's grace is continually extending right now. I, I, I can't wait to hear um, even today as you know, we'll, we'll probably talk with some of our um, missionary friends in um, Milan and just hear what did God do right now. And I know that it will be positive in the sense that the gospel is going out. And the gospel, when it goes out, it does not return void. So the question today, though, for us is, my brothers and sisters, Regrettably, it was the church that probably hurt, or people representing the name of the church, that hurt the witness of Christ. It was so the case in Laodicea. It was the case in Milan. Is it the case in America? Is it the case um, in Rocky Mount? How do we avoid being those people that the Laodiceans became? How do we avoid being the people that the Roman church became? Very simple. Never take your eyes off Jesus. See, what happened with the church in Laodicea was that they looked at themselves, they looked at the comforts that they had acquired, the wealth that they had received, and they thought, I have no need of Christ. And that is exactly where Satan wanted them. So that they became satisfied and feeling a sense of comfort and stability when in reality they were looking to the wealth of this world and realizing, not realizing that they were not looking to the wealth that is found in Christ alone. The remedy to the church of Laodicea was simple. In verse 18, the, Christ calls them and he says, come to me and find where there is true wealth. He describes himself in, um, in the Gospels as being a treasure in a field who, when someone finds it, they're willing to give up everything because of that treasure. So I don't know if there's someone in this room even today who might realize maybe they have been living for earthly treasures and in the whole process have actually found that they are not complete, that they are still lacking 
that they need the treasure that will only satisfy them, which is found in Christ alone. If that is you and Jesus is saying, you want the life that I have to offer, the good news is Jesus offers it completely free of charge. He says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. Jesus calls to us that we might find our life in him. So today, as we um, conclude, and you know, we, we'd be happy. I know that I've not touched a whole lot on, um, there, there's more to be said about Milan and our story and those types of things that maybe you have questions of. Be happy to answer those at um, the lunch following. But more than that, what I would hope and pray is that if there is someone in this room that is realizing that they need to hear and they need to receive the life that only Christ offers them, I would hope and pray that in a moment as, the, um, as we do our invitation that you would come and give your life to Jesus Christ. Pastor Slayton will be down front. He'll be so happy to pray with you. It is as simple as saying, Jesus, I love you. I realize that you died in my place so that you gave me the life that I could never earn on my own. And he will, I promise you, give you that life that you desire, which is not a life built around fancies and riches or anything of the sort, but it's a life of completeness and satisfaction because you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So I'm going to pray. In a moment, Pastor Slayton will come up here and he will um, issue the invitation. But may Jesus be honored and glorified um, as we seek to be the church that recognizes him as being the true light of the world, the true treasure of the world that everyone needs. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for um, the, the eternal satisfaction you offer. Lord Jesus, yes, we come and we represent um, Italy and the, the heart you have there, but by God's grace, that's nothing more than an extension that you have of your heart for the entire world. Lord, your heart beats greatly for Rocky Mount, Virginia. And Jesus, we pray by your grace that you will just open up hearts and eyes to see that you are far superior than anything this world tries to offer. And that Jesus, we pray, Lord God, if there is someone in this room, Lord God, struggling with drugs, Lord God, I pray that they would find the liberty that only King Jesus provides. Lord God, if there's someone in this room that for various reasons has been struggling with even the, the contemplation of suicide or something to that effect, that God, you would, you would speak to that heart right now and say, I love you, my son, my daughter. I love you and I always have and I offer you new life. Jesus, whoever it is, Lord God, I pray that you would speak in a powerful way that, Lord God, if it be so gracious, Lord God, that even today we would hear that new children have come into the kingdom of God by your resurrected saving power. Jesus, we love you. In your great name we pray. Amen. If you're here today and need to trust Christ as your Savior, we invite you to come. If you feel like the Lord's leading you become part of our church family, we invite you to come. And if you feel God tugging at your heart in any particular way and you need prayer, please feel free to come. And the altar is always is open. Let's stand together, sing, and come if you will.